Good afternoon, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. Um, this is your host, Cindy McGurl, and um, today's show is part two of a show I did a couple of weeks ago um, with an interview with bassist um, Eddie Schuler, and I'm going to call him up again, and we're going to talk some more about um, Palmodian's quintets in the early 80s and, uh, and other stuff. And I want to thank my sponsors for this show, Rockport Automotive, the Dowling Walsh Gallery, and um, Curator for helping to bring the show on the air. So um, I'm going to start out with a tune from um, the newest CD I have of Eddie's, um, which was recorded in June of 2018 in Brooklyn. And it's Ed on bass, uh, Matt Goldsbury on tenor saxophone, Pete Davenport on drums and percussion, and Gary Valenti on trombone. Um, and the album is called You Got It. And I'm just going to... Pick out a tune here. I'm going to do this tune called Lazy Afternoon.
Okay, so um, that was Ed Schuler's um, latest album. I believe it. Can you hear us, Eddie? Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Um. Uh-oh. I think I just hung up on him. Hold on, people. Um, all right, well, I'm going to put another short song on and call Eddie back. So um, let's do another tune from the same album. Um, this is... Uh, Why can't we all just get along? Thank uh-huh. you. 
Deputy. Hi. Okay. Yeah, you sound really far away. I don't, but I'm not sure if that's going out over the air or. Um. Is that better? Yes, that's better. Okay. Okay. All I right. Good. This is a new phone. Okay. Uh, so yeah. it's different, obviously. Yeah. Supposed to be better. Oh, yeah. Well, you sound good now. No, you sound very clear, so. Okay. Okay, well, good. Sorry about that, people. We're <laughs> technically challenged technical sometimes. Technical yeah. difficulties here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, do you want to say a couple of words about this new album? Um, that is, the, let's see. You got it. Yeah, you got it. And recorded in 2018, which is pretty recent. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a kind of a serendipitous affair. Um, you know, I, the two horn players, uh, Gary Valente on trombone and Matt Goldsberry on tenor, they're really, uh, really old colleagues of mine. Well, they're, we're all old, but I mean, you know, in other words, I've known them a really long, long time. And uh, we've had done so many things together. We go back to the 70s, you know. And uh, I went to school with Gary Valente. In fact, I went to the conservatory, known conservatory. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that's how long I know him from, you know, like early 70s. So, and uh, and I met Matt Goldsberry in 1975. Anyway, we've all gone through different things and lived in different places and through the years. And um, it turned out that uh, Mac, my friend Mac, he lives in California, and uh, Gary. Valente was up in Boston, um, you know, kind of taking care of his elderly parents who finally passed and dealing with the estate, you know, stuff like that. And uh, so he had been off the scene for a very long time. And um, and they just happened to be in New York together. And, I, had, you know, somebody mentioned, why don't you try to get a gig or something? And I said, you know what, let's go all the way. They're going to be here for two days. I'm going to make a record with these guys. Oh, cool. And I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I was just like, what am I, nuts? You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, and I hadn't, you know, this could have been a total disaster. But uh, as it turned out, you know, it did, you know, it really was beautiful. And it was beautiful getting those guys back together and, you know, just, uh, you, know, you know, with my friend Pete Davenport, great drummer. And um, so, you know, we just went in the studio and kind of did it, you know, just, um, I mean, we did rehearse a little bit, uh, you know, I had one rehearsal and one, and we went in and, you know, it was, wasn't easy, but um, pulled it off and uh, I'm really, really happy with it. And, you know, it's a certain kind of, you know, and the thing I like about it is it's, uh, you know, we we have all these recordings when we were you know, much younger and all these things that we've done. And, uh, but then, you know, there's certain uh, maturity that comes with the, um, when you get older, you, you know, you just don't have, when you, you may have more chops, you may be, you know, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, it's all yeah. good, you know, yeah. but I mean, it's just a little different. And so when I listen to like, for example, Gary Valente, who I hadn't really heard or played with for years, seven years or something, you know, it was different, but it was like, you know, it was the same guy, but it's a different, different uh you know planet there you know so i don't know different different world you know yeah. uh, it's changed his you know because we all do you know that's part of nature you know part of life you know yeah but um and is and, mac um did, didn't mac play um with tim Byrne and and you did. and you were on that tour with paul right in the uh, actually, 80 or 81 yes 
that's absolutely yeah. true. And not only that, he, you know, he did do Mac did one tour with Paul. Yeah. Between the when we had Billy Drews and between Billy Drews and Paul and Jim Pepper, I'm sorry. Um, Paul had tried out um, uh, Mac Goldsberry, and it, you know it was it was good. Yeah, yeah. I think but, I have you know, a rehearsal. Um, I have a rehearsal I, with him, but I haven't digitized it yet. Yeah, well, yeah. Me yeah. and Mac and I, we played with all kind. You know, we were we go away all kinds of music together and life things. And you know, I, I lived with I lived in um, that's the first place I lived when I moved back to the New York area. Uh, I moved in with this guy. That's actually how I met him. Somebody told me this guy needed a roommate, and I just uh-huh. showed up, and, <laughs> uh-huh. and we became great friends immediately. Like it, like it was one of those weird things in life. But yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, you know. So um, I don't know. You want me to say something about the tunes, or um, yeah, if you would like, sure. Um, yeah, I played. You got it. No, I played Lazy Afternoon first, and then right. I played. Um, why can't we all just get along? Oh, okay, right. Um, well, yeah, the lazy afternoon. You know, that's a. Um, it's one of those tunes that I'd heard through all my life, uh, uh, but I never really learned it properly. And you know, and also there were different versions that, you know, you want to learn the song from the. You know, what was it originally? You know, I got Cecil Taylor recorded it. You know. Um, I think uh, Sam River, you know, different people with their own versions and stuff. And so I, but I knew a singer um, who I played with, uh, and uh, Sal Maneri, Matt Maneri's uh, uh, half brother, and he's a mm-hmm. singer. And he, and, and you know, he came over. We were playing, you know, and uh, he, he said, you know, you know that tune. I said, no, and I don't really know it. And he said, well, I, you know, here's a lead sheet. And we played it, and I said, "Wow, I've been wanting to learn that tune my whole life." <laughs> and uh, and so, and then I got into it, so I really learned it. And then I said, "Well, you know, I'm going to figure out a little arrangement." You know, so I kind of arranged it in in my own. It's kind of a freestyle thing, you know. But uh, you know, it's one of those things. You take a tune and make it your own. And it was one of those tunes. I always loved that tune. You know, there's a bunch of great versions. Of course, uh, some. You know, really fine singers did it through the years, and you know, it's a it's a beautiful one of those kind of weird songs that kind of obscure, but it's still a standard, you know. Uh And uh, so, you know, anyway, that so we did. I kind of broke it up into different sections and things, you know, but um, arranged it in you know, uh, kind of in a freestyle way, you know. So like a lot of the improvisation. It's in between the uh, melodies and stuff, and uh, and the other tune, um, why can't we all just get along? That's that that title, of course, probably maybe some of you remember the uh, Rodney King affair in Los Angeles, where the police were beating, yeah, beating him, and uh, and I actually was in Australia at the time, and I saw this whole thing on TV, and then you know they interviewed him, and he said, why can't we all just get along? And for some reason, that just stuck with me through many years, decades. Uh-huh. And uh, one day, I was listening to the news. I mean, I'd written this song already, you know, and I, but I didn't really have a name for it. And I just thought, so I, you know, and I was listening, watching one of those horrific days that, you know, so many horrible things are happening. You know, like almost every day is now yeah. the norm. But uh, I, you know, and I just said that. You know, I just said it out loud. You know, why can't we all just get along? 
and I realized, oh yeah, there's a perfect name for that tune. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. that's how that came about. And yeah. uh, I really enjoy the way uh, Mr. Goldsberry played on that. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it was very great. moving. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, you, I do feel like we didn't really cover much ground last time you came on, just because. Uh, um, I don't know. The time goes fast. Yeah, it does. There's so much Two hours go pretty about. fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I found that this um, 1986 rehearsal that um, I had digitized a while ago with a Paul Modian sextet on um, January 8th, 1986. Wow. And um, and yeah, it was at Joe Lovano's, like you remembered. And it's, you know, Bill Frizzell, you and um, Arto Tunkbayachian. How do you say it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll Tunk- say it for you. His name is Tuns... But, but, but he got me saying it wrong. Tunsbiachian. Tunsbiachian. Tunsbiachian, uh, okay. Which is, a, which is an Armenian name. Yeah. Um, but when I first met him, interestingly enough, this is just a little side thing, uh, he, because he was actually born in Turkey. And if anyone knows the thing that there's a heavy stuff happened with between the Turks and the Armenian people. Yeah, the um, Armenian and, genocide. Uh, and so, so he was, uh, yeah, of course. And, uh, this, but, so they, but his whole family, you know, he lived in Turkey, so they couldn't, you know, this uh, Armenian names always end with I-A-N, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, so he, they changed, the family changed their names to Tunzbiyachi. Oh. And only uh-huh. when, you know, when he really moved to New York and got his whole family here and everything, did he start saying his name the way it's supposed to be said. Yeah. I mean, I thought that's kind of interesting. Wow, talk about the cultural strangeness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people, you weren't allowed to speak Armenian. And well, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It, they it's, were, still, it's still that they way had to, in Turkey. They kept it secret. Yeah. It is, it is, it yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but the question I have on this oh, yeah. is that on the cassette itself, it says Billy Drews as one of the members, and but in Paul's book it says Jim Pepper, and it, it would be the time of um, Jim Pepper, and I don't even know if this is Paul's handwriting on here, because it, it doesn't really look like it. Huh, that's and interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what? It, that could be the... Um, well, you know, as far as I can remember, uh, I remember doing this with Arto, like you, like, I, like I said, it said with Joe Lomano's loft uh-huh. on uh, on Twenty Third Street in Manhattan. But um, and I remember doing it, and you know, it was a big place, so there was a lot of room for uh, percussion and everything. And um, but I, I would suspect it's Jim Pepper because in 1986, that's who was. That's who was in the band, and yeah. But but you know, maybe because uh, Billy hadn't Billy Drews hadn't played with us for quite a few years. You know, I don't yeah. think what I don't know what maybe after eighty two or something. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much that's it. After eighty, I mean, as far as being in the band. But then again, well, the only way to really tell is to hear it, and uh, okay. I can I probably can tell tell you who it is. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd play uh, For the Love of Sarah. What do you think? Would that be a good tune to be able to tell with? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so we're going to hear that. So. Oh, great.
Okay, so wow. that, that was for the love of Sarah, and and then um, you said that was definitely Billy Drews. Yeah, that's that's definitely Billy Drews playing soprano, uh, and uh, Joe on tenor, and and Joe Lovano on tenor and saxophone, and Billy Drews on soprano is distinctive, to- totally, no doubt. Yeah, so we did. Um, actually, we heard that was Twenty Third Street theme. Um, that's a song that Paul wrote, and he never recorded it on one of his own albums, but Joe recorded it on one of his albums um, in the, okay. well, in the yeah. late 80s, I think. I can't remember exactly what album it was. but um, yeah, Well, so, that's because that makes total sense, because that's where we were playing was on 23rd Street. You know. This uh, is a famous loft that they, the Lovanos had. Uh, and uh, actually, it was, it's sort of an interesting place because it has a real history. It was also uh, many musicians had 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 that place as a you know music music musicians loft for ye- years before even before Lovano got it. And uh, you know, it, and it finally burned down. It was very tragic. But um, but that's why yeah, because we, we spent a lot of time there, all of us, <laughs> including Paul. Yeah, and I think that's. Um... Yeah, Paul. Paul practiced there with the trio, with just him and Bill. Oh, absolutely. All the time yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you were s- s- telling us a little bit about um, Arto and how you first met him, and uh, he. You said he kept calling at Paul because he really wanted to play with him, and uh, and did he? He yeah. played, Did he play some gigs with you guys around New York, or? You know, I don't sat, sit in I, maybe. I, or? I think we did one time. This place called Zanzibar, I think he he that Paul decided to you know ta- you know have him play because he was in New York, but we never went on the road or anything. He you know that was just too much for you know hard enough getting the quintet out there. You know, just one more person you know and becomes a whole you know uh, monetary logistics thing that you got to deal with. But yeah. um, but we did. I think we did one gig, and you know. But this was uh, Arto's dream. You know, Arto came to America. He didn't really speak English that well in those days. And uh, 
And uh, I don't know. He he also because this is how we all met. He wanted to. His dream was to, you know, meet and play with Paul Motion. And then he knew that I played with him, so he contacted me, and that's how we met. And but it was all about Paul. Paul, you know, in the beginning, and and eventually, uh, Arto hooked me up with some of his Armenian friends, and because they were starting a band, and we, it was a kind of a fusion, you know, world music. Type band uh, with Oud and uh, and everyone was Armenian in the band uh-huh. except for me. Um, so everyone, you know, it was a guy named uh, Ara Tunchian, uh Eventually, Armin Denelian, he's a great piano player, uh, and Arto Tunzbiachian, and then there was me, Ed Schuler. <laughs> so I became Ed. I became Ed Shularian. Ed Shularian, yeah, the honorary yeah. Armenian. Yeah, honorary, <laughs> honorary, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was a cool thing. But anyway, Arto, you know, and, and Arto went on to play with Al Diniola and all kinds of, I mean, he's a group fantastic, and I've been, I played with him through the years. You know, we do stuff. He's a, an incredible, I, I consider him a complete genius. Um, he's a really fantastic, amazing musician. But, um, you know, when in those days, you know, he he kind of a newcomer, and uh, you know, so he would he somehow got Paul's number, and he was calling him, and and Paul would tell me, you know, this is guy is calling me. I don't know, I can't remember his name, but he, I think he's I, I just call him the Tunge, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he says he called, he wants to play. He's a percussion player, you know, and and eventually, kind of, you know, you kind of. Uh, bet these things, see if the, it's not just a complete nut or something. And it turned out he was really cool. You know, he's just, a, you know, you know, he's just really uh, passionate about the, you know, he wanted to, he, Paul, apparently Paul Motion was one of his heroes, you know, when he lived in Turkey, you know, when he, yeah. and, uh, and he studied with all these great master percussionists and made his own drums and, you know, it was a very, very deep, interesting cat, you know, so, yeah, so that's how that happened, and I think we did do one gig in the city, uh, you know, like a like a club, but uh, I, I don't know, we didn't ever really go on the road, and, you know, I thought it was a great idea, but like I said, it's just, you know, it's just, um, you know, logistically probably too hard, and, you know, everybody was... You know, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, um, but I also so I have the album "Circle the Line." So, it, oh yeah, is that your album or is that Arthur's? Well, that's well, no. Oh, okay. oh, "Circle the Line." No, that's definitely um, that's my album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's actually a co with this guy Simon Nabatov, piano player the piano, Simon yeah. Nabatov, and uh, Russian piano. And you know, it was kind of a, a joint venture. Uh-huh. It was one of our one of my early things. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, so, you know, at the time, you know, because Paul was, you know, I was playing with Paul, and uh, it sounded like a good idea. Let's see if, you know, you know, going to make a record with Paul Motion, you know, so because, he, you know, it was like, it was not a big deal. You know, why not? Just get, all you got to do is come up with the, you know, make it work, and it's got to be good and everything. It's got to, money's got to be there and everything. So, uh, you know, it, and that was the idea. So it was, yeah, it was great. It was really exciting, you know. And Simon was a young Russian piano player, kind of a virtuoso, one of these guys, you know, went to the Moscow Conservatory. You know, they in Russia, they would decide that you're going to be something. And, and uh, 
you know, in this case, a pianist. And so from the age of three, he was studying piano. So he's a complete virtuoso. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, and we were young, so we were even more virtuous. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but, um, you know, Paul, as usual, played wonderful, you know. It's, um, yeah, should we play a cut from this? What do you think I can tell you? The surge, did you know I knew, would be blues? You know what? That's a good one. Did you know I knew? That's my tune. Uh-huh. And that was kind of, and that was written not necessarily for this record date, but it was written thinking of the kind of music that Paul was playing, you know, with Keith Jarrett. And, you know, when I was, I wrote it, I was, you know, literally, you know, I don't know how old I was when I wrote it. But it's like in that era, even before I knew Paul, I was listening to all, you know, these, um, this kind of, uh, all this, a lot of the things that he did with Keith Jarrett. Uh-huh. And, of course, everything, you know, Bill Evans, whatever there was. But, uh, um, you know, this, this is kind of in those days. You know, Paul was just playing with Keith Jarrett, and he was doing a few records of, of his own as a leader. But you know, mostly it was uh, stuff like that. So that was, you know, just our favorite music of me and my uh, friends and colleagues. So, uh, so this tune was kind of written with that concept in mind, that kind of ballad feeling, uh-huh. uh, Keith Jarrettish. Yeah, and Arto's on this one too. It says. Yeah, uh, Arto. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's important. Yeah, yeah. we should have Arto. All right, so yeah. we're gonna um, we're gonna yeah, listen to "Did You Know I Knew" an Ed Schuler tune from um, Circle the Line, the nineteen eighty eight GM Recordings release um, with uh, Simon Nabatov on piano, Ed Schuler on bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Arto. Oh, I wrote down that pronunciation. Tunzbiachian. <laughs> I should be able to say that because I'm Armenian, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm percussion. It took me. It took me a while too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that's going to take us up to the top of the hour. Um, so stay tuned for a couple minutes after that, and then um, we'll be back with more with Ed Schuler. Okay. Thank you. 
Well, we just have a few seconds to the top of the hour. Um, yeah, it's a lovely tune, Eddie. Oh, thank you so much. And um, but so stay tuned, and um, we'll hear more with Eddie Schuler. I've got some more rehearsal questions for him because he has such a great memory. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Remembers all the details. <laughs> okay, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> Okay, um, we're back with Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl, and your local radio show about jazz drummer Paul Modian. Today's show features um, an interview with Eddie Schuler, who's on the line with us um, from Brooklyn, New York. And um, we're playing some of his music, some of Paul's music, some music they played together in rehearsal. Um, and as a quintet, and um, so, Eddie, I was going to play, um, I have this rehearsal that is from February 1st, 1983, with just you and Bill Frizzell and Paul. Wow, okay. <laughs> and, um, but I, and Paul's, I, I, there's a couple of, like, new songs that Paul was playing, um, and he just wrote new piece version one, you know, melody twice. And oh then, wow, yeah, no, they're untitled, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I, I wondered if you could tell us what they are. But he also um, there's also that song Prairie Avenue Cowboy. Do you remember that? <laughs> wow, cowboy song. I think he wrote it for Bill because it's it's got a lot. Sounds, of sounds like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't ring a bell. It reminds me of a recent big hit that they've been playing yeah. country country road or something you know yeah yeah there's a big big uh big hit anyway uh right well yeah i you know it doesn't ring a bell right now but um sure paul wrote all kinds of different you know he wrote many different styles like one of the tunes that i remember was called mandyville and that uh -huh. was just like a really simple calypso like it couldn't be more simple you know like one, four, five chords. So, like, you know, from this really esoteric out things, and he would write something that's just so, you know, inside, but, you know, completely beautiful, you know. So he was into, you know, all kinds of, you know, that some people like to pigeonhole, you know, uh, what people do. Uh, and he was, but he was very open-minded about all kinds of different things. So I can imagine he would definitely write some kind of country song. I, I have to say, I don't really remember it, but, you know, uh, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. After you told me how great a memory I have. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Just trying to make me out to be a false. No, fault. No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's listen to this new piece, a couple minutes of that, and uh, we'll see what you think of it. Okay. Okay.
Okay, so um, it sounded a little familiar, Eddie, but you're not exactly sure what it is. Well, yeah, I I, I, I vaguely remember playing something like that, but I don't I don't think we ever did it on any gig or anything, and I certainly didn't record it. With I mean, like you know, studio, you know, I, but uh, but yes. it, it, so just I, like a I, one off kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's probably you know because that's what we used to do. We used to just you know, Paul would. Paul was constantly writing things, and, and, you know, we'd go, and he'd like, here, let's try this. And and possibly we'd never hear about it again, uh-huh. you know. Uh, yeah. it'd, it'd just be like, maybe he didn't like it, or, you know, whatever. And then other times it'd be become a real, like, we play this thing every night, you know. And uh, so, you know, it's a, but it's, I, it's, it's very interesting, because I like the way it, you know, how he, the, 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 the you know the spans of of his styles. I mean, I mean, if you heard that, you wouldn't really think it's a Paul Motion tune. If you think of you know what the most Paul Motion tunes are something else, you know, like that. But it, it's just uh, but it's so great because he had such a 
it was just um, into so many open things, cultures and stuff. So, you know, I wasn't afraid to be simple, you know, which is what I'm, because I'm trying to get at yeah. a lot of people. Everything's got to be, uh, you know, some kind of complex, mystical thing. And, uh, you know, he just was like, yeah, this is my little tune that I'm going to write here. And it's yeah. He did, he I, did I, keep them pretty simple. I mean, well, yeah, not more than a page and, yeah. Oh well, that's true. Sure. That's true. Yeah. But uh, some of the, uh, you know, the, you know, I, I guess I'm when I'm trying to say the, 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 the concepts would be more, you know, on the, you know, outer things and going free and you know things like that. Uh, you know, modern modern things. This is more, you know, traditional, I guess, kind of folk style. Um, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It's all great. You know, it's all good music. Um. So, do you want to hear the Prairie Avenue Cowboy? What do you think? It's gonna... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that's what that was. Oh, whoops. Well, uh, yeah, let me hear that. Yeah, yeah well, I, it might have been in practice, but he had this one as titled as that. And um, Okay. Yeah. Okay, so here's Prairie Avenue Cowboy. Sounds good. All right. It's just, it's all in five-block thing. Okay? One, two...
So it's kind of a like a march. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a kind of yeah, kind of a yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, I I it comes back to me somehow. I remember doing that, but uh, I I don't know. Is that in one of those um, those volume one or volume two of the of the Paul Motion? Yeah, it is. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Paul had he had copyrighted it and everything, but yeah. just never recorded. I wonder it. if he. Yeah, I guess not because you know yeah. I don't think we ever really did. But I was I was really enjoying Bill uh, Frizzell's playing on some of that. You know. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Sounds beautiful, good. Uh, beautiful things. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was you know while we were listening to that, and I was thinking about you know people somehow we. It's very rarely defined, you know, what made Paul, and as you say, Motion. He, 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 I know that's his proper way to say his name, by the way. I was talking about that motion, but we, everyone call, you know, that's motion. Yeah, guy, sure I guess it. cooler you can call stage that. name it's... kind of thing. We call him motion, but Motion is the proper way. Of it. Um, but anyway, you know, there's something, you know, that, you know, what did Paul, you know, you think about people that are amazing and unique and great, and, and well, what is it that makes it like that? Why? What is it? And Paul, you know, was, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't like, he did something so great, wasn't like flashy, he didn't have, wasn't going to, you know, wow you with his chops or, you know, or like, it, it, there was something about the way he played that allowed things to happen. So it was kind of, um, this is what always fascinated me. I mean, especially if you go back to the days of Bill Evans and Scala mm-hmm. Farrell. You know, how was that, you know, this you this great counterpuntal bass playing that was, you know, unique. It was brand new concept. And everyone, no one played bass like that. And so everybody goes, wow, Scotty was an innovator. He's just amazing. And he was. But the thing that really, I mean, that would have never happened if it wasn't for Paul Motion. <laughs> I mean, he, he, you know, because he allowed this kind of space. If some any other drummer, it wouldn't have worked so well, you know. Uh-huh. And it, it would have been like, you know, what's what's that guy doing? Why isn't he walking with the thing? You know. But yeah. Paul had a different way of 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 everything with swing. You know, way he played swing, you know, was completely swinging, but it was completely unique, and it allowed for other things to happen. And I've always been fascinated by that. You know, certain people come up with completely unique ways to approach. I mean, he could play any regular tune or bebop or whatever you want to do, straight ahead, Jeff, with the best of them, of course. But but you hear that, and it's not, you know, it's like his own. He found a way to do it his own way. You know, he did it my way. But, I mean, <laughs> it, it just, you know, he just, uh, and I, and there are, you know, these are the kind of musicians that I, you know, think about and remember, and so many people. No, it's not so many actually, but many of the totally unique. Jim Pepper was definitely one of them. Joe Lovano is definitely one of them. You know, they they have their own thing as well as you know being well. You know, they're they can. You know, it's it's like because a lot of people cannot. They learn how to play and they learn how to be very skillful and everything, but uh, it's not like. That unique. It's it's not like wow. There's only one person that can play like that, or or approaches has a concept like that, or something. You know. Yeah. I mean, 
Very few people. People tried to play like Paul. It's like they, they tried to play like Charlie Parker, or they tried to play like Train, and uh, they all they will always fail. But uh, but anyway, I've, enough of that. I just wanted to get that off because you know there was something special about Paul's playing that made you know other things happen that probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know. With, with, yeah, I think uh, it. I think it was. I mean, in his personal life. Too. I mean, I think it it was him. He was very he was very open um, and just willing to try things. And uh, and he was a good listener. You know, unless he wasn't in the mood, then he just was. But he was yeah, just totally yeah. right on point about yeah. it. Like, can't talk now. Just you know. That's right. But. Um, yeah, that's- but when he was there, he was like, he was all there. He was always, you know, gave you his undivided attention and was, um, yeah, just a good listener. And, uh, yeah, so I'm sure that's the same thing with the music. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he, and, uh, you know, you, you learn things about people after after years. You, you know, he was like, um, you know, he, 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 he was in a way very, a kind of private person. He, he didn't, yeah, you know, he didn't want to. He didn't share his real personal stuff like just light, lightly, you know. No. Um, yeah. But uh, but on the other hand, like you know, and he, you know, he just we'd have we it's so we'd have so much fun sometimes, you know. He's like uh, as you as we did in the last interview, um, we played that song um, White Magic when we first rehearsed it and we went into a laughing thing, you know, yeah. this happened a lot, you know, we'd laugh and his laugh was so infectious. I mean, that's another thing about some people, you know, they, they have their person, it kind of brings you in, you know, and you're, you, if he starts laughing, everyone's going to laugh. You know? yes. One of those things, you know, <laughs> you know uh, unless you're really like a sourpuss or <laughs> something, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, you get, you can't help it, you know. It's infectious, and um, and we, you know we had so much fun, and he loved to, and other people would do funny stuff, and he'd be all over that too, and you know, I mean, he. But you know, if he didn't, on the other hand, if he didn't like something, if something wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't like you said, he wasn't in the mood. Uh, don't mess with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know. Um, special guy. I have this. Um, I have this. The unreleased set from um, the Live at A Train album that you and Joe and Paul did. Oh, okay, 1999. yeah. Oh, unreleased. So, okay. And and so, um, should I play one of those? Or no? Sure. I, 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 <laughs> I right know. now. I. It's not. I can't remember what well, was on the unreleased part. I can tell you what's on them. Um, Chelsea Rendezvous, the Joe Lovano tunes. Yeah, yeah. Sooner yeah. than before is one of yours. Um, you played Paul's dance, um, and then the Monk tune. Um, I can never. Is it Crepuscule with Nelly? Crepuscule. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce. I'm a bad pronunciation. Crepuscule with Nelly. Crepuscule. Okay. Yeah, um, it means sunset. Sunset. <laughs> I see you but, now. Um, I guess we we should play something kind of lively. I guess. Uh, what was the? Oh, play that Chelsea. Let's hear something from Joe Lovano. Okay. Joe Chelsea Rendezvous. Right. Yeah, that's a good. Tune. Okay. 
Okay, that was um, Joe Lovano 
and Ed Schuler and Paul Modian live at A Train. Um, that's an unreleased cut, um, but yeah, that sounded good. I haven't heard that. I mean, I haven't heard it in a long time. Yeah, that, Joe uh, Lovano's tune, Chelsea Rendezvous. So, how did that concert come about with just the three of you? Uh, well, that's also <laughs> it's funny. Well, the see, um, I was living in Berlin at the time, um, and uh, I mean, I was living in New York and Berlin, so it's complicated. I was going back and forth. But anyway, the, uh, the, the, there was this great club called the A-Train in Berlin, and the owner is a very good friend of mine, and, uh, and he, uh, you know, his dream was to have Paul Motion and Joe Lovano in his club. And uh -huh. so I, I said, well, you know, it's possible I can make that happen for you. Of course, it wasn't easy. That's why it's called serendipity. Uh-huh. Um, seren you know, because... Because of the chances of getting those two guys, you know, which are at that time, you know, either they're playing in the trio or Joe's doing his own thing and Paul playing, you know, whatever. Everyone's doing something. Um, so it, it turned out that the, the dates came together. It just made it, it like everyone was going to be free and, and in Europe and, uh, and the whole thing. So uh, it was... and. The, the the club owner's name is Sadal Sardin, and he you know he was just ecstatic. He went crazy. He was like, he was shining the drums for Paul. You know, one of these. You know, he's Turkish by the way, which is funny. But um, you know, it was really amazing. So and the club was completely packed. It was crazy. I mean, it was one of those things like almost like this. You could barely the the luck of being able to pull this off was just phenomenal you know that it actually everything all the forces came together to make this work so that's how that happened you know I and mean, anyway i mean i of course i know the everyone so you know and we just um you know just the logistics of it were the only problem you know of course everyone was willing to play you know and it was, and it was recorded for radio and that's why we have a recording of you know of it in the first place and yeah. then um the the guy the owner of the record company two two records peter v Smuller, uh, negotiated to get the rights to the the recording, the radio recording, mm -hmm. which uh, I had tried to do myself, which I failed at doing because it was too complicated. The legal stuff was just beyond my uh, pay grade there. So, uh, but uh, Peter pulled this off, Peter Wiesmuller, and um, and finally we got it. So the other, we might actually someday put out this other half of this thing that we just listened to. Um, the other set. So there were two sets, you know. So, yeah. And uh, we put the first set we, you know, is, is, is released. But, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it was, it was really fun to do, you know. It was, like, it was a sort of a, it wasn't like, it's not like every day I get to play with Paul Motion and Joe Lovano, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, in a trio context and like that, you know. Is I mean, we've played many times together, but, uh not, not that. That's kind of intimate, you know. Just trio like that. It didn't. I don't think it happened that much. So yeah. it was very exciting for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so um, we picked out a few other things to play. So um, let's start with this: the uh, January twenty nine, nineteen eighty four rehearsal um, without Joe Lovano. Okay. Um, so with you, Jim Pepper, Bill Frizzell, and Paul Modian. Um, 
we talked about we could either play with the early version of Fiasco called was called Sizzy G then. <laughs> oh really? Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. It's not too yeah, okay. long. Okay, sounds good. So, um, okay, here's Sizzy G.
What did you think of that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> That's just fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, loving the way uh, Jim Pepper was playing on that. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, the tune really changed, though, doesn't it? Like later, it sounds a lot different. What do, what do you mean? Uh, well, do, do you think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but do, do, you, do you think that song was the early version of Fiasco or not? I actually think it is Fiasco, but I it know. Is. It, yeah, it is. But so I, he might have changed the name. I, I, yeah. What he, did you call, what did you say it was called? What well, do you have on, his, um, on his compositions, it's Sizzy G, S Y Z G Y. Yeah, see, I don't know. I just remember Fiasco was uh, was the one I you know that was became the real name. Uh, That's Fiasco. Yeah, it became Fiasco. Yeah. 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 And that's uh, that was uh, apropos because uh, there were some fiascos on our some of our road trips. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think that's why he wrote it. You know, it's one of those that the song and I listened to the melody there. It uh, kind of gives you that feel, you know, one of those dreams where you 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 think you've solved one problem, but then there's another problem, and it just keeps going. It's a domino effect of, you know. It's a oh, when you're in effect. a dream? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, these I have these kind of dreams. I don't know. It reminds me of some dreams I've had, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was always some reality, actually. <laughs> it yeah. was moving right along. <laughs> it, yeah, it definitely. Is the, I, I think of that... The, Fiasco of when yeah when a lot of things go wrong I think exactly <laughs> think of that tune yeah he he liked that word he used it a lot actually you know total fiasco you know uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so uh I don't know what else you got well um <laughs> this is so interesting stuff. all this stuff that that I've never haven't heard maybe yeah. ever <laughs> yeah. Um, there's more on on um, on this CD. We could play. Should we play um, Zimbabwe? Oh yeah, right. That's what we were gonna do. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, yeah. Let's play that. Uh, and I'd then... like to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Then we're already getting close to the end, though. Sadly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Here's Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. He's got an intro of like four bars. Is that right? Well, I'll start right now. Start right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was the one that I
Okay, that was uh, Zimbabwe in rehearsal. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounded really good. <laughs> I don't know why you guys like, never put that on an album. I don't know. Yeah, that's a cool tune. It should. Be, it's like a hit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I know we played it, but uh, I I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I never made it to any. I don't. He must have recorded it at some point. I don't know. Really good um, no, the only well, the only copies I have are in the rehearsal. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, no, never. Not any. He didn't ever did it as a trio tune, or. No, no, never, wow. never on oh, an album. There was a few like that in the yeah. volume one of the songbook that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. That, yeah. That'd be one to try to record sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's great. Um, yeah. Well. Um, what did we talk about? We talked about playing uh, something from Psalm, maybe that tune Boomerang. Yeah, we could do that. We could talk um, if we talk for a few more minutes. Um, yeah, we of can course. set. We can end with that. We'll play Boomerang yeah. from the Psalm album. That was the first quintet album. Right. Um, 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, why don't you tell us, tell us a story about a, about a tour, about a tour. Oh, wow. Have you been working on writing stuff down? Like yeah, I, I've been uh, kind of, yeah. I had to take a little hiatus. Of the, I finished, uh, yeah, I've been finishing these stories. These are stories I'm writing about, um, you know, Jim Pepper and uh, with in relation, and when we played with the Paul Motion uh, band, Paul Motion, and, but we did three records for um, Solno Records, uh, an Italian label, and and uh, each one has these um, kind of amazing stories. I we would need hours for me to tell even one of these stories, but uh, <laughs> but because you know it's just crazy stuff. Um, Give us the cliff notes on one. <laughs> well, the, like the, the on the very last record, it's called um, Jack of Cl- No, uh, sorry, it's a Mysterioso. Um, when we we started that tour, we went to Sardinia. If if anyone's ever been to, it's one of the most amazingly beautiful places. Um, but um, the thing was, uh, before you know, it's one of those things of long travel. We get all the way, got to go to Rome, and then we have to take a plane to Cagliari, and then Cagliari we drive, and and we get to this, uh, you know, we get to this little town called Porto Pino. Little, I mean, it's like kind of place you it's like a postcard you know an amazing beach right on the water you know it's fantastic but uh so jim but jim was into another thing he kind of got into i i you know he needed to uh do certain <laughs> things and um so he found a bar is what i want to say and uh and the next thing we know we're all being taken to a dinner at the school and the school is, uh, you know, this is where all the guys were. There were many other musicians there, too. Hermeto Pasquale's group, fantastic, from Brazil. And uh, Bob Moses, great drummer. And uh, Jerome Harris and all kinds of different people. This was a festival. So they were feeding us, but it was in a school. And the thing is, so Jim shows up uh, for this thing. And, um, you know, we're all getting this, you know, Italy is great. Getting great food and uh and uh but jim was uh got into something with this guy uh italian guy and started talking about how great a basketball player he was and everything you know and uh i don't know what this was coming from and you know everybody's like what is he nuts you know so anyway after the dinner we all go outside and you know there's a basketball court there there's a little you know hoop and everything and there's some kids playing and and the other guy goes hey uh so let me see what you can do. You said you're so good. So he gets the ball, and uh, Jim tries, Mr. Pepper tries to make a shot. It's an, as well as an air ball. It's not even close. And he kind of falls over, you know. So, and we, it was so funny. I mean, it was, you know, at the time, all of us were laughing so hard that we were on the floor. We were on the ground. We couldn't, you know, it was just like ridiculous. It was so hilarious. Um, and, you know, I remember Joe and me were just rolling around like, oh, my God, you know, I couldn't believe. So, um, but the thing is, what happened, what ended up really occurring was uh, he actually uh, fractured his wrist at that moment. But he didn't really know it yet. Yeah. And uh, and went on to further exploits of the mind there. And then later on, when Hermeto Pasquale was playing, he... Uh, he ended up on the stage with them kind of sitting in, and that was kind of strange. And then 
the next morning, to make a long story short, he figured out that he did something. And he, you know, so in other words, now at this point, we haven't even played a gig yet. Yeah. We haven't done anything. And he's already broken his wrist, so. And the, the next part was we were staying private private houses. This place was so small, it didn't even have a hotel. So uh, we were staying in these houses, and we stayed with this guy named Mario. And Mario, you know, he's like, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, I fix, we, my mama, she fix everything okay. We go to mama's house, and they go to mama's house. Mama's one of these traditional Italian ladies, I don't know if you know, they're, they're wearing the black clothes and the you know, mourning for her husband that died 30 years ago. And, you know, uh-huh. it's like incredible. So anyway, they, she does something, and, and and if it wasn't broken before, it is now. So he ended up in the hospital. And anyway, that's how that's, that tour started. So if you can imagine breaking your wrist and you play saxophone. And, but but uh, the, what's amazing about him is he, he was able to, um, in the end, he, 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 he you know, he... Uh, persevered he figured out how to play even with a with a cast on yeah and he cut it off and and it was like this is typical of of jim pepper you know and the you think it's the end and he would just come back and he ended up playing incredibly good and then we made this wonderful record mysterio it's actually my favorite of all three of these records uh-huh. and uh you know it's like the guy was amazing like he would do that uh, you know most people would just like that would be it and you know in the beginning paul was kind of you know, it's kind of nuts. You know, what what am I supposed? To, you know, Paul's like, what am I supposed to do? I want to. I got to send the guy home, or what am I supposed to do? Anyway, uh, it was a funny story, and uh, but it was serious. And uh, in the end, uh, it you know, it, so so that's why on that record, there's a little tune right at the end called "Chief Broken Wing." Yeah, Johnny and, Broken uh, Wing. Yeah, Johnny. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, right. Johnny Broken Wing, um, and uh, that was you know, dedicated to this episode of um, Jim Pepper. Yeah. Um, uh, and we just have uh, enough time to, um, we could play that <laughs> for Mysterioso. Oh, oh yeah, right. Why it, not? It's the show's going to end in a minute. So, um, right. Okay. Yeah, right. I thank you. Um, you wanted a story. Yeah, yeah I know. One. It always takes longer than you think, but it's worth it. <laughs> okay. So this is Johnny Broken Wing, and we'll have to have Ed on again sometime soon. Absolutely, and I want to thank you so much for for having me and and doing this, and it's so great. I'm I'm enjoying myself so much hearing this stuff that I don't, you know, I haven't heard. You know, I don't know. It's fantastic. What a what a great uh, thing you're doing, archiving this uh, wonderful music. It's a beautiful, very important thing. Anyway, so we'll uh, hopefully talk soon. Oops. Mm-hmm. 